everyone. I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. My co-host Erin Bagwell is on maternity leave and will be returning to the beaver den in the spring. In the meantime, we're wishing all the best to the new mama and her daughter. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. <laughs> As I cast aside my ripped up paper. <laughs> Hi, Julia. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited that you're here. This is going to be amazing. I'm thrilled. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, to give our viewers and our listeners, I guess, not viewers on a podcast. No one should watch this. No, no. no. no I don't have eyeliner. We don't need visuals right now. No. Um, Julia Young is here today. She is a multi-hyphenate comedian, a writer, performer, author, actress, improviser, and social media star. Julia is a producer on Viceland's hit late night show, Jesus and Marrow. Yeah, just moved to Showtime, actually. Snap. And I moved with them. Amazing. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, you're also a cast member and writer on MTV's Wild and Out. And your book, Please Don't Grab My Pussy, a rhyming, guide, a rhyming presidential guide, was published by Animal Media Group in October of 2018. You add all that to her 41,000 plus Instagram followers. Wow. And you've got yourself a total comedy package. You've also written for Brain Games, Girl Code, Hack My Life, Friends of the People, Impractical Jokers, and Billy on the Street. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm the best. You really are. <laughs> you really are. But in all seriousness, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so thanks excited. for having me. Thank of you. Thank course. you. Um, I would love to kind of start out. I feel like that was such a full capture all in and of itself. But I'd love to kind of start out by talking about what you're excited about right now, what you're watching, listening to, reading. Yes. We talked about the news this morning, which yes. I feel like was not not what we should be reading. No. But what are you into media-wise right now? I mean, news-wise, it's Rachel Maddow. I listen to her. Love. In the morning and at night, depending on when I wake up. Yeah. Um, so she's like the only calming presence, I feel like, in terms of news. Yeah. Um, so I am... First and foremost, like Seinfeld is like my baseline. I love it. <laughs> That's just like, it's my favorite show of all times. And it's something I like just am always watching constantly. Um, but in terms of new shows, new-ish shows, I really only like a few new shows. I like The Good Place. Yeah. I think that's a great show. Um, and I just got into Jane the Virgin. Oh, Do you yes. watch that? I've seen a few episodes, but yeah. truth be told, I have not done proper due diligence. It's good, but it makes me a little anxious because it's a telenovela, so everything always goes wrong. Like, oh, yeah. you can never just have, like, episodes of stability where everyone's happy, but I guess that's, like, also television. Like, yeah, you don't just want, like, a neutral episode. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually reading the most amazing book right now called The Power. Oh. It sounds like The Secret, but it's not. Obama had it on his list last year, his reading list. And um, it's like a dystopian sci-fi-ish novel in, that takes place in the future where women have genetically gotten this power where basically women can have like electricity come out of their hands, um, which uh, like changes gender dynamics and they become like the more powerful gender, obviously. So they can just like kill men with their hands. So it's been a really, it's been really great. Cause now I just like stare at guys in the subway and I'm like, I could kill you. 
it's like yeah. changed your whole view of your own power it really has i love that yeah yeah I love that Obama included that on his list. Yeah, he, um, it's weird to have like a president who used to be able to read, like, because Trump hasn't, I don't think he, he knows books. Right. I don't think he would be able to have a top 10 list of right. books. Yeah, that doesn't really seem on brand for him. No, he doesn't, he doesn't read. Yeah, he doesn't read. So <laughs> Meanwhile, Obama comes out with like, best songs, best books, <laughs> best movies. I read that he like wanted to include Hereditary on his list of best <gasps> movies. And Michelle Obama was like, you are absolutely not recommending Wait, this. What? <laughs> that would have been amazing. I know, but it's like, I, I, I mean, I just heard that like through the grapevine. That's Who knows if it's true, hilarious. But. I bet Tony Collette is pissed. Oh, can you imagine? Wow. I hope he called her and was like, just oh, I'm so sure. you know. Yeah, Tony... Yeah. You're on this list. Yeah. In spirit. Right. We couldn't actually include you because of the decapitation of the young child. But, you know, yeah. that's, that's yeah, in spirit. Yeah, yeah, in spirit. In spirit. Yeah. I love it. Um, what kind of things, like, when you were growing up, you yeah. are a creator to the hilt. Like, you're a writer, you're an actress, you're an improviser, all these things. What inspired you growing up? What were you watching? What did you make a point of, like, sitting in front of the TV and, and really getting yourself into so definitely a lot of sitcoms when mm -hmm. I was a kid. We were only allowed to watch half an hour of TV a day. So usually that would be like family matters after yeah. school. <laughs> so just like classic three camera sitcoms. Um, but then when I got older, it was definitely Saturday Night Live. Yeah. It was a really big part of that where I would like sneak downstairs and watch it. Um, Seinfeld as well. And my mom thought that was like inappropriate because there were episodes that were like little like. Uh. Um, so we would me and my siblings would like stand near my parents' door while they were watching in their bedroom. And there was picture frames outside their door through, through the reflection of the picture frames. We could see the TV. So like we would watch the reflection of the TV and like be quiet and not talk. Oh my God. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So that, that was huge. <laughs> SNL, Seinfeld. Um, those were like the, the big ones. I also like you know, renting like movies and stuff from Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of like old comedies and musicals was like what my parents were really into. So then like, I guess I got into that world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of like Hitchcock movies, musical comedies, like, you know, screwball comedies, Cary Grant. Um, oh. Yeah, just, you know, Catherine Hepburn, all that, you know, kind of old school comedy yeah you're in like classic Hollywood yeah I really liked that I love I still do love classic Hollywood amazing yeah and you were watching Hitchcock as a kid I mean a little bit older like teenager but yeah yeah, yeah I loved Psycho used to scare the hell out of me Psycho is rough yeah um the birds is rough too the birds is rough yeah I mean Psycho I think has just affected I want to say almost every woman who's ever seen totally. it just in terms of how you shower from now on yeah, like I shower with my door open and with like the curtain peeled back so I can see who's going to come and murder me. Right, because yeah. I like to get a preview of them just before I'm like hacked into yeah, pieces. Yeah, to be like, oh, are they cute? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember watching Psycho. My mom, my mom, <laughs> it was one of her favorite movies and it was playing on TV and I was, I don't, oh my God, I think I was like seven or eight. <gasps> and my mom kind of completely forgot exactly what was in it oh like she just God. remembered really loving it and she's like i'm sure it doesn't hold up like it's probably so campy at this point right i did not sleep for years i was like devastated by psycho it is so scary that's what happened with the shining yes my seventh Another grade one. social studies teacher showed it to us for some reason <laughs> and like i had to go to therapy yeah like, it's it was so awful it's still horrifying it's like so horrifying 
Oh, God, The Shining's the scariest movie of all time. It's the scariest. To this day, when I see Jack Nicholson, like, I'm kind of like, I kind of hate you a little bit yeah. for just stealing my childhood. His face is very triggering. It's so triggering. And you, like, see him in, like, the front row of, like, a Knicks game or whatever. Or, no, Lakers. I don't know what he does. Whatever he he's does. He's very old. Um, but he's still like, no, you're, you're like, a very bad man. Yes. Yeah. You ruined a lot of things by making that movie. Yeah. Oh, God. And people continue to reference it. And I'm like, must we continue? Yeah. To don't keep say this? red rum to me because I will, f- I will have a panic attack. Oh, my God. And really, I can't go into basements either anymore because uh, of Psycho. <laughs> yeah. No basements. Yeah. There's a lot of rule, like a lot of like traumas, like um, through the screen. So many traumas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like a good way to jump into this book. <laughs> Not that it was the most like concise segue we've ever had, yeah. but. I feel like you've done amazing things by bringing this book into the world. Thank you. It's called Please Don't Grab My Pussy, A Rhyming Presidential Guide. And I have to start off like, congratulations. Thank you so much. I read this book (laughs) and I've just felt like, I mean, we'll get into it, but I feel like it brings so much levity, needed levity to an otherwise very heavy political climate that we've now been in for three years. That's crazy. I mean, I... Full disclosure, only got here like in the summer of 2016. So I'm sure. On Earth? I arrived. I beamed down (laughs) (laughs) from Canada. I moved moved to New York. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm so sorry that this is what you. It was a weird move. You left Trudeau. Right. Right. I did. I was that person. Yeah. I'm going to be talked about for years to come. And not <laughs> the in one good defector. Way. Yeah, the one defector. Are you from New York? I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. But my dad was born in Edmonton, Alberta. So I, I feel like I I'm understand. I'm from Calgary, you. Alberta. Amazing. Snap. I knew I got you. I love it. Yeah. There's yeah. that connection, that cosmic yeah. understanding with people who know Alberta. Canadian connection. Yeah. Pure. Do you ever go to Edmonton? Absolutely not. No. Yeah, no. I was like, <laughs> no. I'm going to be shocked if the answer is yes. No, no, no. Um, amazing. So yeah, I think that this book jumping into it, it's so funny. The illustrations are gorgeous. Yes. The whole package really, I feel like is just incredible. And to give our listeners a little sense of what this book is about, it makes abundantly clear what is available for grabbing votes, leather seats, a joint. Um, and what's definitely not using kind of every possible euphemism for beavers, shall we say? Yeah. Okay. Beavers. Great. Yes. I'm like, what words can I say on this? You can say all the words on this. I can say vagina. A thousand percent. Perfect. Yes. Vagina. Vagina. This yeah. is beaver talk. Yeah. It's a it's a thing. Yeah. My personal favorite was Panty Hamster. I loved Panty Hamster. Um, I like Queef Trumpet. That also might be one good. of my favorites. Yeah. Well, because you get the sound in there as well. You can not only like kind of like hear, like you can hear it. It's evocative. Those... Right. Mm-hmm. I love it. Paints a picture. Um, where did this book come from? To yeah. like bring us into a little <laughs> bit of like how you created this. Um, and yeah, kind of just where you got the idea and how it, how it came to be. Yeah. I think um, after the Access Hollywood tapes came out, obviously everyone was like, uh, what the fuck? This van cannot. Be, this man cannot this cannot stand yeah but it did and so I think it just like popped into my head like the idea of like please don't grab my pussy like don't and then I was like that sounds like a kid's book so then I had this idea to write a kid's book called please don't grab my pussy a kid's book for adults obviously um and it it came, went through a, diff- a few different iterations um my friend Matt helped me out with this because he is all about like campy pop culture um and so it was like all right well is this 
you know, written to Trump. Is this Melania saying this? Is this just our thoughts? So we kind of had to figure out the voice of, you know, how we wanted to do it. And now it is in the voice of, you know, it's a guide for the president. So we're telling the president, you know, you're confused. So like, here's what you can grab and here's what you cannot grab. So it's very much um, a book written to like his, his age level, which is like, I want to say like four to seven, depending on how much he, sleep he's gotten. So yeah, it's just everything you, you're allowed to grab and everything you're not and really wanted to make it digestible for him. And we have, we worked with this artist, Laura Collins, who did these beautiful acrylic paintings um, that are just so funny because they're so like campy. <laughs> yeah. They're so campy. Yeah. Which makes it so fun. Um, yeah. And it was just a joy to, to write. Yeah. What was the writing process like? Cause I feel like, you know, comedy is such a huge part of you and a huge yeah. part of uh, the work that you bring and all these kind of things. But was it, it also, you know, for being as lighthearted and fun as it is, like it rhymes all these things. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sincere. And yeah. I think like packing, you know, a very strong political message into such a like, like you said, campy package. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes into that. So was it kind of difficult to keep the, as you said, tone of voice of it while still making it this lighthearted, accessible product? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times we like reverse engineered the rhyme where we thought of the slang we wanted to use for vagina. Mm. And then we're like, okay, what can we rhyme with this? Mm. Okay, then what do we want this verse to be about? You know, we definitely had lists of like, we want to tackle, you know, Hillary, we want to talk about Putin, we want to talk about the P tape, we want to talk about how Fallon handed him the election. Like, we wanted to kind of include all these things, but then also include random verses about like, an aunt who lives on a commune or like a roommate who disappeared on a cruise, just like weird things. And then there's like a weird through line of like him, like going to the dermatologist for a mole that may be cancerous. It's like, so there was just, uh, I think it's just like, that's maybe my brain. It's just like a mix of all of this where it's like highbrow, lowbrow pop culture, um, like real news that's happening. And then just kind of non sequiturs, but we wanted to definitely include all of these things that we have issues with. Um, there's absolutely a P tape. I just want to say that right now. There is a P tape and we're going to have to watch it it's gotta very soon. It's got to exist, right? Yeah. The steel dossier is like, it. it's all real. There, yes. I feel yes. like you can't really make this stuff up. So it's like got to yeah. be a thing. If House of Cards have told me anything, it's like, yeah, it's all real. It's all real. <laughs> um, yeah. And the Russians know everything. A thousand percent. The Russians are so good at spying. I like, know. They're so good at what they do. They always have been, though. Yeah. This is like a thing forever. And I feel like they continue Ever. to be underestimated. And like, I don't know why, because we have Bond villains. We have like yeah. actual KGB. We have history. Like there is the evidence to back this up. They have always been so good at spying and murdering and getting away with things. And yeah. I feel like American, like we're not as good. No. We're kind of like bumbling a little bit as spies where I feel like American spies like fuck up somehow by like having an affair that gets exposed and that's yeah. how they get made. Yeah. But like Russians would never be that messy. They'd right. be like no personal relationships. This is the mission. It's about the country. Right. Americans are sloppy with spying. I think Americans like need the glory. Yes. I think they need to know. They need people to know. They need to be acknowledged. They're like one day the movie rights will be sold and there'll be a movie made about me. Exactly. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Right. They're already casting themselves. They're yeah. casting their wife. They're casting yes. like who would play their boss. Yes. And I feel like Russians like don't need the glory. They just oh. need the power. Yes. And they have gotten the power. Yeah. They run this country. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like a little, it's a little intense. How, like going back to, when did you start writing the book? Like what kind of, 
what was the election like for you? Ugh. You know, I'm sure as a comedian, it was kind of like a blend of like bringing in satire, bringing in yeah the elements that came to compose this book. But what was it like for you that you felt the need to create something out of it? Yeah, it was it was devastating. Mm. Honestly, it was like um, like, you know, when like you've been dumped by your boyfriend of three and a half years and you wake up the next morning and you're like, I don't know why I'm alive. It was like that. Not like that's not based off of, I guess it was like a little bit less than three and a half years we dated. Anyway, so um, <laughs> just like waking up with like a pit in your stomach. That's what it was like for me physically, emotionally, just being so depressed, so sad, not being like not understanding this country anymore. I feel like so because I'm a comedian, like that's how I handle my emotions is through comedy. So, you know, coming up with this idea and then being like, I want to I want to write this book. Um, was really cathartic in a way, because even though it's such a small thing, it did feel like it was being like, all right, at least we have free speech. I'm still allowed to write this book that is just like really, really um, mean to the president, but based off of his own words. Um, So it, it was cathartic in a lot of ways. And I wrote it and then I was like, all right, maybe I'll self-publish it. I like looked around at how to do that on Amazon. And I was like, this feels weird and a little scammy. And then I reached out to some publishers in, um, I think in January of 2016. And um, a publisher, Animal Media Group was like, uh, yes. And we signed a deal. Amazing. And it was really, really great to work with them. Cool. And I had no idea. And I don't know anything about books. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, do you need like an agent or publisher? What What does that mean? So I like don't have a book agent, but they somehow, I don't know how it works. Honestly, I just, sign, I like closed my eyes and signed a contract. So, wow. We'll see what happens. Wow. I think, yeah, but I think to like turn something so that brings so much joy yeah. out of something that was so devastating for so many people and, yeah. and just like, you know, whether regardless of kind of like what party affiliation you are or anything, it's like, it was such a heated time for Americans yes. and the world. Yes. And I think that to create something so joyful out of that is such a gift. And it's, yeah, it's such a turning a pot, turning a really negative into something positive for the time being. I feel like all we can do sometimes is just laugh because otherwise you're just going to cry. And, um, this is like my tiny contribution is how I I feel like I'm not like a hero. Like, don't make a biopic with me with that. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> would for sure, play. We me. can start casting your movie. I'm not against it. <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm just trying to make myself laugh also because things are rough. Mm-hmm. Things are real rough. How do you how do you kind of like you know we talk like a lot about self care and yeah. self care around activism and things like that. How do you put up boundaries or kind of help to replenish and recharge your own batteries while you're processing the news and creating scripts and, you know, doing shows. Great question. (laughs) I don't like, I'm not good at it. Um, as evidenced by like the eczema that is spreading all over my body that is stress based. I really am. I'm not good at, um, I can't compartmentalize. Mm. And that's something I really do struggle with where I'm like, I know I should be meditating or like, I don't know, essential oils is a thing or like, I mean, like I nap, like that's a thing, but it is really hard because also with my job, I'm, I'm always have to know what's going on in the world. So I'm constantly reading the news and constantly on Twitter, constantly 
knowing everything's going on. So it's exhausting because it's not like you can be like, oh, I'm going to turn off my phone for a week. I would love that, but it's just not possible. Yeah, it's not an option. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel. I mean, I feel like I have the benefit of not having to be plugged into it. And yeah. I, I think my roommate uh, works for a radio program and she has to know the news left, right, and center. She listens to the daily every morning. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm just like, I hear it for five seconds and I'm like, I cannot. Yeah. Especially like first thing in the morning. I'm like, I don't know how she does it. No, it ruins your day. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I ha- I feel like privileged in a way to not have to be plugged in in that way. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of in awe of, of you and creators who have to process it for us and, and create things out of it because yeah. it just must be so heavy. It is. And like... I guess I wish I liked yoga because <laughs> I feel like people say that like helps them yeah. not be sad, but I really hate yoga. Fair. I really, really hate it. I'll go, I go to the gym sometimes. That, that does make me feel better. But then I listen to podcasts about like um, the Challenger explosion and like Amy oh Fisher. <laughs> so like not happy things. So we're not opening the hips as much as we would like. Yeah, to absolutely not. Like, <laughs> warrior pose do you find that work is a form of self-care for you I think so yeah I mean anytime I'm writing jokes that absolutely is like my happy place it's you know that's just I that's where my brain is happiest um and I I also you know I I don't I actively don't want to be writing jokes about politics Mm -hmm. is a thing um and I don't like watching shows like comedy shows about politics like, I don't watch The Daily Show. Yeah. Um, I love Stephen Colbert, but I don't watch Colbert. I just feel like these shows are, it's like traumatic. I, I don't want to, I don't want to hear jokes about Trump. <laughs> like, yeah. I know I wrote a book about Trump, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to be part of that world of political comedy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally hear that. My, my husband's are a big fan of The Daily Show and, and I love Trevor Noah and I love yeah. Stephen Colbert and I love what these guys are doing, but yeah. I totally hear you where it's like, I, I can only take so much of it. Yes. It's exhausting. And um, maybe that's my self-care is I kind of stay away from political comedy. Yeah. Because everything's a tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Can be, it can be hard to kind of pull yourself through that for sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of feedback have you been hearing from the book? It's been out It's been out for a few months now. Mm-hmm. Have you had any? <laughs> I've had great feedback. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends are, have like bought, like bought it for people for like Christmas and the holidays. And I got some videos of like people opening their like presents and being like, what is this? <laughs> um, and a lot of like people who follow me on Instagram have bought the book or given it and they send me, you know, Insta messages and stuff, which is really lovely. Um, it's just been really positive. Um, obviously, you know, read the, I read the Amazon reviews and there's definitely people who are like, this is the worst gift I've ever gotten in my entire life. (laughs) It's like, okay, yeah, it's definitely a partisan gift. Um, (laughs) it's been really, really positive. It's, I, you know, they, I think they, I don't know what the first run was, maybe a thousand. They already had to do another printing, I believe. And so, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been thrilling. I love it. Yeah. What's kind of the, you know, I feel like, I feel like books like this can can create so much momentum and it can yeah. kind of like really hit, I feel like you've hit it such a, like a perfect time to release a book like this. Yeah. Um, what kind of broader impact do you hope to see and what kind of, where do you kind of hope this book goes or where, maybe two part question. Yeah. Where do you hope this book goes, but also where do you hope we go as women, as feminists, mm-hmm. as like, 
moving into kind of over and out of politics and into something else. Yeah. I, okay. So I hope this book gets bigger. Like I, I hope more bookstores carry it. I hope more people read it and find it funny and give it as gifts. I think it's a great gift. Um, also like keep it away from kids because kids think it's a kid's book. It's not a kid's book. My nephew was like, why is that cat yelling at that man? And my sister's <laughs> like, well, he's a, he's been bad. He's been very bad. Um, so, um, yeah, I, ho- I just, I don't know. I want it to blow up. Of course. Like, yeah. like go the fuck to sleep. Like, you know, I want it to blow up. Um, in terms of where I hope like this takes us, I don't know. I, I think women, um, I think feminists are, and women are realizing like how, how important feminism is and how important it is also to have like, inclusive feminism. Um, and it's not just, you know, white women who are like, this is how to be a feminist. Mm-hmm. I think that's been really, I think there's been a lot of progress made in terms of that, in terms of inclusion. Um, and I, I really just hope that everyone starts identifying as, as a feminist and, and men start realizing, um, that things are changing mm. and uh, that's not just because I'm reading this book about how women can kill men with electricity. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> Honestly, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that things are absolutely changing and people who are scared of that change, like, I'm sorry, but this is the way things are now, especially with, you know, all these women elected to the house of representatives mm. And um, women of color, younger women, uh, I think it's incredible. And I think, yeah, like white men are scared and that's okay because it makes sense. You've been in power for so long that you think we're going to attack you because, you know, of the way you've attacked us or oppressed us. And maybe we will. Like, I have no problem with that. But I I think it's important for for men to realize that um, that this has to happen. This needs to happen. Also, um, hot take, like women are smarter than men and, uh, we live longer, like also, which has to be related to our brain size, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. Like what's that about? Um, so I think it's just, yeah, w- women are just, you know, as Beyonce said, you know, who runs the world? Girls. <laughs> this is my Ted talk. It's, thank you for your Ted talk. <laughs> thank you for my Ted talk. Um, yeah, I think that I th- it's like there's you just said so many things that I feel like we need to give the space for it. Um, I also love that Beyonce came up because I like any moment that Beyonce comes up. Yeah. Um, but I think that we I love your optimism that we yeah. are coming into a different time. I think it's yes. so easy to get so gloom and doomy. And, it, you know, there's always more work to be done. There's always more. There's always another battle to fight. There's always, you know, we constantly our rights are not you know, just given to us. It's, mm-hmm. it's constantly under threat. It's constantly under, um, scrutiny, but I love your optimism and I love that. I love that you're feeling the change. Yes. Because I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's, uh, I spent a lot of time being like depressed, angry, and now I'm like positive, angry, if that makes sense. A thousand yeah. percent. It's like motivating anger. Yeah. Erin and I talk about this all the time. Cause yeah. she's like, <laughs> she was at a panel somewhere and I was, I was came to the event with her and somebody asked her like, what like is the source of inspiration for your work? And she was like, honestly, it's anger. Like anger has been a motivation. I feel like for so many women over the past few years, there's a lot of anger in the, in the, in this comedy book. And there's a lot of anger, I think in my comedy also Mm. anger and frustration. 
And yeah, it comes out through comedy. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're part of the industry. You're oh my God, a writer. <laughs> you a thousand percent are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For the purposes of this podcast. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You are. You're a writer. You're an improviser. You're an actress. Yeah. Um, what feminist advice do you have for Hollywood or do you have for the industry? And what, like, what, what would you kind of love to change if you had electricity coming out of your fingertips? Oh, I would (laughs) kill all men. Don't quote me on that. Even though I, I literally just said it. That's Uh, the pull quote. (laughs) Kill all men. Um, Obama says, (laughs) um, I think that there can be many different types of comedy that women are allowed to do. Mm. I think women get put in categories. Like I've had so many people been like, you look like that girl from Broad City. It's like, okay, because I'm I'm Jewish and I have curly hair. Like, okay. But like you would never say that to a man doing comedy. All men doing comedy look the exact same, but they all have their own show. And they all have their own Netflix special and they all have their own late night show. There's 10 people named Jimmy who have their own show. So I think it's just the idea of like, there can only be one woman and they keep on canceling Lee's late night shows hosted by women Yeah, and men get years to figure out their stride, you know, like ratings for Colbert were awful and now they're on the uptick, but they canceled Michelle Wolf. They canceled Robin Thede. They canceled Sarah Silverman. Like, it's like, oh, there can only be one show. So I think it's like, just like let women succeed. Give us the, the time and the space and let women succeed give women of color more shows, um, hire more women writers. Like what's really wonderful about the Showtime show that I'm working on right now is there's many, many female writers on the show. Um, and that's just like, Oh, why is that surprise? I like walked in. I was like, Oh wow. There's more women than men. And it's like, Oh, that should never even be something you think about. It Mm. should be like, Oh yeah, this is just normal. Like, didn't Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was like, what's the, you know, optimal number of women on Supreme Court? She was like, nine. Yep. <laughs> like, people would lose their minds if there were nine women on the Supreme Court. But it's like, wait a second, there were nine men on the Supreme Court for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's like men are allowed to just exist and women have to be exceptional. And yes. if they're not, then they're like completely cast to the side. Yes. And this whole, you know, getting into politics, like, oh, likability, right? And mm-hmm. like, that's been the buzzword, like, last week and this week of like, Oh, you have to, you know, is she likable enough? It's like, well, the more unlikable a man is, the more powerful he is. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say, like, put put unlikable women on TV and make us like them. Um, give women a chance, hire women for every single role, um, because your show will only succeed more. Um, yeah, women in leadership roles is very important. Yeah, it's something I loved about Ellen DeGeneres calling her comedy special relatable. Yeah. It came from like a guy being like, how are you ever going to be able to do stand-up comedy again? You're not relatable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's so... Yeah, she So we let Jerry Seinfeld it. and we let like all of these other men just yeah. like, oh, because they're Jerry Seinfeld, they get to do that for in perpetuity. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, they're allowed to get whatever they want and they're allowed to make enormous mistakes and then we uh, just move past it. And then we give them a special. <laughs> Literally everyone in the world has a Netflix special. I do not understand it. And I will not watch. It's so much. There's too much TV. There's too Netflix has gone off the deep end, I think. I know. And I also feel like, and I kind of thought about this with the Bruce Springsteen <laughs> debacle of them putting the final show on Netflix. It's like you're kind of undermining the beauty of live performance. Yes. Yes. And the beauty of like actually seeing people do stand up comedy and being in the room when things happen. And yes. And going outside of your house to like 
be with other people and experience something. Right. It's like the magic of the theater, magic of live performance. Um, like they put Oh Hello on Netflix. Yeah. And I saw it in the theater and then I saw it on Netflix. I was like, I mean, it's just, you can't compare the two. No. You miss everything. Yeah. And it's almost like too slickly produced. Yes. Like it's very edited. It's very, there's a lot yeah. of cameras. There's a lot of angles and it's like, I mean, I loved Hasan Minaj's Homecoming King. Yeah. But it's it's very slick. And it's like I would have loved to have like been in the room when he was doing it. And yeah. Seeing, and seeing the performance of it. Yeah. I think Netflix is all about being like, you know, slick production values. Yeah. But then they're just releasing also too much content where yeah. I, I'm overwhelmed when I go on Netflix now. But they also have like removed most of their movies, I think. There's no movies which is weird. Yeah, it seems to be like pillars between like comedy, kids, and then yeah, stand up. There's like one movie from the 1960s, and then the rest of it is um, all original content that they've spent billions of dollars on. Yeah, it's like Maltese Falcon, and then these like a million yeah. TV shows. Wait, <laughs> I just specials. watched Maltese Falcon over the the break with my family. Have you seen this movie? Yeah. It makes no sense. No, I can't watch it. It makes it me insane. It is the most convoluted plot, red herring, complicated, bad movie. I want to say it. I'm, I would lean into saying it's one of my least favorite films. <laughs> it's crazy how, I mean, I know it's like the first film noir or whatever, and Humphrey Bogart, like, really does not talk to his secretary in a respectful way. It is such a dumb, complicated plot. Yeah. Oh, and, my God. And yet it's beloved. Yeah. It's bad. It is bad. It's bad work. Yeah. I would go. Bad work. I would go so far. As to say Awful. That. Garbage. Um, thinking about, I love, I love talking about women in comedy because I feel like we just never talk about it ever. Yeah. Um, who are some female comedians that we should like be keeping an eye out for? I feel like I know the names of every single up and coming male comedian. And oh, I would yeah. love to know kind of who you're <laughs> resonating with, who you're a fan of, who you love watching. Um, if you have Julia any Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's up and coming. No. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> she's going to do big things that big one. Things. I don't know. It's weird because I don't, I don't like watch that much stand-up comedy, mm. which is, I guess, weird. Stand-up or otherwise? Like yeah. anybody that you're just into watching. Okay. So um, I, I really like Absolutely Fabulous and I think everyone should watch Ab Fab. And um, really, that's my only recommendation. I think it's brilliant. Case close period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that that was that's just shocking to just see so many women, and also um, Golden Girls. Yeah, you just watch these shows and you're like, wait a second, it's old women. This is groundbreaking, massive, groundbreaking, light years ahead of their they time. They would never greenlight that. I mean, look at Grace and Frankie, and then they're like, wait a second, Kaminsky method, let's bring old men in because we can't let women succeed. Oh, my God. And you know they're making more money than Jane Vonda and Lily Tomlin. Did you watch the Golden Globes? Yeah. Yes, I absolutely did. So I feel like my heart shattered into a million pieces when Sandra Oh was, like, opening up the show, and she said, like, I took this job because, like, I wanted to show you that, like, change is possible and that, like, diversity is important and all these things. And then the first award of the night went to Michael Douglas, and I was like, oof. Yes, for a Chuck Lorre sitcom. Kill me. Um, yeah, first of all, Kaminsky Method, I thought that was like a way in which babies were born, like it, like a surgical technique. I've never seen it. I don't want to ever see it. Um, it. I mean, it's just like, I was like, oh, this must be about two men in Congress. But like, yeah, just like two old white guys. I mean, God bless Alan Arkin, right? But 
I mean, I don't sure. care. I really don't care. Right. It's like, <laughs> I, I really don't care. And yeah. I feel like it's like, we keep talking about Hollywood ringing and this, like all this change and such a sea of change and yeah. look at all the change. And then it's just like, we keep seeing the same old white men faces Yeah, it was being awarded. And it's, yes. it's, I feel like we are getting into like a dangerous territory where being nominated is enough. Like you nominate diversity and that's right. enough. Right. And we award the same people regardless. Oh yeah. It's like, look, there's one black guy who's nominated. He'll never get the award, but like, look at how progressive we are. I know. Um, yeah, and also Green Book. I'm obsessed with uh, all of the drama around Green Book, Green Book because they keep on fucking up. Like, they're so dumb. Everyone around Green Book is so dumb. How so? So uh, the the guy was about, uh, Shirley's last name, he was the musician, played by Mahershala Ali. Yeah. His family was very unhappy with the film, and Mahershala, like, apologized because they're like, this is, there are, like, a lot of things you didn't get correct about the film. And then the driver, who played by Vigo Mortensen, yeah. he, his, um, the character he plays, his son wrote the screenplay. And so it's like really much like from his perspective. And he was the one that uh, he had to apologize for some tweets, the screenwriter, because after like Trump tweeted something years ago about like, oh, after 9-11, Muslims were cheering when the tower fell. And this guy was like, absolutely right, Trump. They were. I saw them. So he's like, uh, so he had to apologize for that. Viggo Mortensen had to apologize for saying the N-word because he was talking about the movie and he was like, yeah, you can't say the N-word anymore. But he said the N-word. Everyone's like, you can't. You oh can't do God, that. What? Um, Peter Farrelly, the director, used to whip out his penis. Is that um, Chris? Is this the Farrelly brothers? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Of the famous movie Shallow Hell. Um, <laughs> in Something About Mary, he like whipped out his penis uh, oftentimes, like at Cameron Diaz, to be like, isn't this funny? I'm hilarious. You think you're looking at my belt buckle, but you're looking at my dick instead. So oh he had to apologize God. for that. Which is like all these problematic men who are like, no, now we're making an esteemed drama. Oh. That's like white savior crash. Oh, I don't even know where to go from. Like, I'm obsessed with reading about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to be obsessed yeah. because we were like, Ken and I came in here this morning and I was like, I feel like I need to watch Green Book because like it won best comedy musical and like, yeah, everybody's talking about it. I love Mahershala Ali. I love Mahershala. Um, hate watch it. I think I have to hate watch it yeah. now. Yeah, you have to. And I have to go home and like go down the rabbit hole of like, all yeah. of the missteps and complete yeah. mistakes that have been made. Yeah. But we give you a golden globe anyways. Because. Yeah. <laughs> Cause white savior it's, you know, it's a blind side of this year. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Oh my God. You're right. Yeah. And they really want the Oscar. They're going to get nominated, but like every day more headlines come up where it's like, uh, guys, green book is problematic. Oh Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. Insane. I know. And I, I can't believe it won so many awards. I can't believe Kaminsky won. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad Sandra O won for Killing Eve. A thousand percent. It was a, the show wasn't perfect. I think they had a lot of, I didn't, there were a lot of things I liked about Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of things where I was like, this isn't realistic, but mm. she was great. I thought in Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah. Great. I loved that show. But, yeah. But yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to read a part of this book. I would be honored. Um, I asked you kind of, I feel like I have favorite parts, but I would love for you to like, Ooh. you pick your favorite part. Oh my God. And read it for, okay. our, for our listeners. Okay. Just so they can get the level of which we're talking about. Sure. Let me, maybe I'll read the first verse first and yep. just to like set it up. Cause it's like really hard to get this book. <laughs> it's like over 25 pages. Guys. It's tough. You guys. <laughs> All right. So uh, the illustration here is a, a picture of Billy Bush. 
with his face being grabbed. Mr. President, you seem confused, and a lot of my cousins do too, about what can and can't be grabbed, so please let me clarify for you. There are plenty of things you can grab, besides my Twin Peaks and High Tush. So if you're confused, just read this book, and please don't grab my Billy Bush. (laughs) Really sets it up. Um, Setting the scene. Yeah. And then, let's see, I'll read, maybe, should I read two of my favorite? Yeah pages okay here we go you can grab mike pence that's fine you know he calls his wife mother he sleeps standing up like my horses but please don't grab my lady utter and then there's a painting of him standing up sleeping next to two really beautiful horses (laughs) you can grab a meal at mar-a-lago my steak was unsatisfactory it tasted like how being screamed at by don jr feels but please don't grab my yogurt factory and then there's a, a picture of Don Jr. screaming at a, a waitstaff member at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yep. I love it. I adore you. I adore thank the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Any other final thoughts or things that you want to call out or promote? Um, just um, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, OKJulia. Slide into my DMs. I read them all. <laughs> Buy my book wherever books are sold online. And... Um, yeah, read the power by Naomi Alderman. <laughs> yeah, we will all have electricity <laughs> shooting out of our fingertips in 2019. I cannot wait. It'll be like 5G network. It'll oh be great. God, it's gonna be fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Julia, for thank being here. Thank you for here. having me. And thank you to Kent for spending all your Wednesdays with us. And if you uh, have read Julia's book, or you have another book that you want to tell us about, or you want to tell us about the Green Book, um, <laughs> reach out to BeaverTalkPodcast at gmail.com. That's it for now. Have a great week, Betty's. Happy Feminist Wednesday. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.